I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word as we read today from the Gospel of Luke, the first, first chapter, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Once again, we say good morning to all of you. A special word of greeting to those in Bearden and Gould and Shirley, as well as those in our hospitals across the state those who are homebound as well, wherever you may be, if you're watching online or on television or here in the sanctuary, we're truly thankful that you would worship with us today. We want to remind you very quickly that tonight at five o'clock here in the sanctuary, we will have our hanging of the greens service. The children will be singing. So that's always a special treat. So we know you'll want to come and be a part of that promptly at five o'clock tonight here in the sanctuary. We're grateful for your presence today. It is a joy to be able to celebrate this first Sunday in the season of Advent with all of you. Let us pray. O oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. After my dad left the military, having served in the JAG Corps as a military judge, he practiced law in the civilian world. Life was good for the Robbins family. But suddenly and dramatically, I remember as a little boy, my daddy coming home and saying, we're moving. I'm leaving my law practice, and I'm going back to school to seminary. I didn't even know what seminary was at the time. But life quickly changed for us, abruptly. We moved to a small town in a little bitty dumpy parsonage. And my dad began his ministry serving in a little bitty church. You see, things change when God comes calling. I had a friend. She just graduated from medical school. She had interviewed in a number of places to do her residency. She saw me one day, and I asked her how her residency was going, and she said, 
oh, I'm not doing my residency, I'm in seminary. I said, well, why did you go to medical school? She said, at the time, God called me to medical school to be a doctor, but God has since called me to be a United Methodist pastor. See, when God comes calling, things change rather quickly. Life is never the same. I had a friend in one of my churches, six-figure salary, well-established, living in the same home for many, many years. Things were good for him. He came to see me one day, and he said, God's called me into the ministry. I have to sell my house. I have to give up my career, and I have to move. His life, suddenly and dramatically, was never the same. It was altered permanently when God came calling. God calls every one of us in some way or another to do the big and the small on the daily basis. God is continually calling every one of us to be faithful, to be true to God's word, and to live as God would have us to live in the circumstances in which we find ourselves or in completely new circumstances and situations if God so chooses. We all know what that's like. And a young virgin by the name of Mary would have God enter into her life in a new and profound way. And when God came calling, Mary did the extraordinary, even as a young virgin girl. She said yes. An angel approaches and says, hell favored one. You are going to carry within your womb God in flesh. And Mary responds, let it be according to your will. And as we know, as the story goes, Mary, who was unmarried at the time, carries in her womb God. It would have been scandalous. Can you imagine a young pregnant woman who is not married in a culture where if one finds herself in that situation... She is to be stoned to death. Clearly, she has committed adultery. But things are different with God. And God had an extraordinary plan for an extraordinary young lady. Because God saw within, some, within Mary something that Mary may not have even known or seen in herself. The capacity to do the most extraordinary of things with no pomp and circumstance, no large crowds gathered around, no public declaration, no experience as a mother of any kind, no experience being intimate with a man in any way, and now she has the daunting task of carrying within her womb the Savior of the world. But see, that's the way God is for all of us. Every one of us had the capacity to do things we never anticipated we could do, never believed were possible, and when God comes calling, God knows us better than we know ourselves. God sees within us something that we may have never known existed. And God will do something with that. When God comes calling, our responsibility, just like Mary, is to say yes. We all know that there are things that happen in life that we didn't anticipate, we didn't expect, 
and suddenly we find ourselves in a position where no one else has the responsibility outside of us to do it, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's God calling, sometimes it is circumstance. It is a situation in which we find ourselves that falls on us completely. If you give a birth to a child who has cognitive limitations or physical limitations or both, as a parent, it falls on you solely to be the one to make sure that child has a full and complete life. You involve other people over time, of course, but you know, though you didn't anticipate it, didn't expect it, and may not even have wanted to deal with that, God saw within you the capacity to do something with the situation in which you found yourself, and you do it. Even when you think, I don't have enough energy to keep going, I'm worn out with all this, somehow you keep moving forward. It might be an aging parent where you now have become parent to your parents. They're not in a position anymore to care for you. They cannot even care for themselves necessarily. And it's on you to make sure that they have proper care, that they eat like they're supposed to eat, that they bathe like they're supposed to bathe, that they're protected like they're supposed to be protected, whatever it may be. You didn't ask for that. But you find yourself in a position where it falls on you and you say yes because it's on you to do it. It might be a sick spouse, a loved one, a husband or a wife who has to care for their respective spouse because of circumstances. It might be a disease. It might be because of an accident of some sort. Who knows what the situation may be, but one finds oneself in position where it is now up to that individual to care for the other. Just this summer, my brother Tom, who is a year older than I am, who is also a Methodist preacher, found himself in a very similar situation to a lot of other people whose lives suddenly and dramatically change. They didn't anticipate it. They didn't expect it. Tom lives on a ranch. There are surrounding ranches. A bull got out on a piece of property, and Tom's wife, my sister-in-law, went out to help. The bull attacked her. She has been in a hospital since mid-August and will continue to be in the hospital for months. She suffers from a severe brain injury that is life-altering. Tom had to take a leave of absence from his church. And by the way, I asked his permission before I told this story. He's going to go back next Sunday for the first time since last summer to his church. He has been with Shannon every single day. His life has been altered dramatically. So has hers. I said, Tom, how do you do this? How are you handling being the pastor of a church? Things that need to be done at home. Your wife's several hours away. He's staying with my sister close to the hospital. And he has done that for months now and will continue to do it every day. He said, John, 
It's my responsibility. I promised her when I said yes. When he said yes to better or worse. When he said yes to sickness and in health. He made a promise. Sometimes in life, things happen that we don't anticipate, we didn't expect. Sometimes it's something God has in store for us that is so exciting, we're ready to drop everything and say, let's go. Other times in life, things happen to us that don't add up, they don't necessarily make sense, but we know we have to say yes to the circumstance. Mary never made an excuse. Mary could have easily said, you have got to be kidding me. I have very little experience in life, and I have no experience as a mother, and you want me to do this? I don't think so. Let's cut a deal, God. How about if I get married and I have several children, so I learn how to rear children, and then ask me to carry in my womb, God in flesh? That seems to make sense to me. Or she could have said, God, Joseph is literally going to kill me for this. At least he's going to leave me when he finds out I'm pregnant. She doesn't make an excuse. She does what God calls her to do. It is the most extraordinary of responses in the Bible to someone finding herself in a position where one day things are one way, and the next day it will never be the same. And she says, yes, according to your will. God calls every one of us to all kinds of tasks. Sometimes it's the mundane and the routine, and we're supposed to say yes every time. God calls us to be generous. But oftentimes people use excuses when we know we're supposed to say yes. God calls us to be the kind of parents who bring our children to church and to Sunday school, involve them in the life of the church so they grow up understanding that a relationship with Jesus Christ is paramount in their family. But many people have an excuse. They're going to get around to it when soccer season ends or when softball is over or whatever else may be going on at the time. We're just so busy on Sunday right now, and we know fundamentally that's an excuse. The answer is supposed to be yes. Even personally, we know that in relationship with Jesus Christ, we're supposed to nurture that relationship. We're supposed to be reading our Bible. We're supposed to be worshiping. We're supposed to be praying regularly and doing all those kinds of things. But for many of us, including me at times, I've said, I'll get around to it when things are not so busy. It's an excuse. All of us have much to learn from Mary. When God came calling, no excuses, just yes. Remember when Moses is tending to the flock and there's a burning bush and God speaks to Moses in the burning bush and God says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt and you're going to free my people. And Moses immediately says, I'm not the guy. I don't want it. Find someone else. And God says, no, you're the guy. And then Moses says, but Lord, here's the problem. You know I have a speech impediment. I don't speak well. 
God says, I got that covered. Your brother Aaron is going to do a lot of the talking for you. You go do what I want to do. The first response from Moses is an excuse to get out of it. Gideon is called by God to go and fight and lead an army against the Midianites. And God calls Gideon and Gideon says, mm, I don't think so. I'm not interested. Thank you. I got a lot to do here. And God says, no, I called you. And Gideon says, well, I want its proof that it is you, God, that it calls me. So what I'm going to do, God, I'm going to lay a blanket outside and I want there to be moisture on the blanket, but I want the grass to be dry. The next day he looks out, moisture on the blanket, the grass is dry. God, that's good, but let's try it one more time. Now I want the grass to be wet and the blanket to be dry. And God pulls that one off. What Gideon does is try to test God and use excuses to get out of doing what God called him to do. These men of great faith, these men who would accomplish so much, pale in comparison to a young virgin girl who simply says, yes. You have given me the most daunting of tasks and the most overwhelming of responsibilities, but yes, you call me, I say yes. So we cannot make Mary out to be a dime store trinket or glow-in-the-dark nightlight. I remember one time seeing a picture of a burnt piece of toast that was being auctioned off on eBay because it had the Virgin Mary on it. And I looked at that and looked at that, and I never saw her. And it sold on eBay for thousands of dollars. I thought, you know what? I could come up with all kinds of burnt pieces of toast. I could have Abraham Lincoln on one. I could have no telling who else on I mean, I could make a fortune doing that. When we trivialize Mary and make her just an object, we fail to do what God calls us to do. We are to revere her and respect her and admire her for who she was and what she did. It's extraordinary to think about. And so young and inexperienced. When Elizabeth II became queen at the age of 26, people said she's so young and she's so inexperienced and we know that she would reign for more than 70 years as queen. But Elizabeth had courtiers and servants. And when she was put in her position, when she ascended to the throne, there were all kinds of festivities and pomps and circumstance all around her, her whole life. Now, I never in my wildest dreams, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this, ever thought I would utter this name from the pulpit, but Taylor Swift <laughs> is in her early 30s and is now a billionaire from all the money she has made. She is wildly popular with people of all ages. I know a man in his 70s who went to a Taylor Swift concert with other men in their 70s. I said, y'all don't ever tell anybody you did that. <laughs> but Taylor Swift has bodyguards. She has all kinds of celebrity status. And these women, 
Queen Elizabeth II and Taylor Swift have accomplished the most extraordinary of things. But they have to bow down before Mary. Because what Mary did, no one else has ever done in human history or will ever do. At such a young age and so inexperienced. One day she's doing what someone her age would have done. The next day she is preparing herself to give birth to God. See, when God comes calling, the best example we have in the whole Bible is a young and experienced female named Mary who said yes. Hallelujah. Amen.